right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. What's up, everyone? Happy TGIF. This is not Derek Johnson. This is Lane Gillespie on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Well, yesterday was a fun day, huh? Yeah, we had a lot to talk about in yesterday's show. We're going to kind of just update you on all of the stuff that's going on with that uh, and just give you more updates. Obviously, we, we could not fit everything because, you know, there's a ton of spe- a ton of speculation, a ton of stuff that could go down uh, over the next hell over the next week. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, we're going to start off talking about the conference uh, realignment stuff uh, that we were talking about at length yesterday. Uh, we'll have the Sports stock market at the top of the four o'clock hour with uh, the stock market coming to a close with this, with today being a Friday. Uh, we'll have the top 10 plays at the top of the five o'clock hour. It'll be the top 10 plays in the national championship game against North Carolina. And then at about the 520 mark, we're going to talk more at length about the first 24 hours of free agency in the NBA. We'll talk about not only free agency news, uh, we'll also have uh, some news about some big trades that have gone down already. Kevin Durant tra- uh, has not one of them yet, so don't uh, don't sit on the edge of your seat just yet. But hey, we could have an update in about two and a half hours from now. So that's kind of why I am, you know, waiting to put it, you know, towards the end of the show, just because we have no clue what could happen in the next two or half two and a half hours. There's already been quite a bit that's been going on. Also, finishing off the best of RCST trivia for you. In the 3 o'clock hour, in the latter half of it, we're going to have both Phenomenal 4 matchups for you. And in the latter half of the 4 o'clock hour, we'll have the third place game and the Best of RCST Trivia Championship for all of you. Now, I'm not 100% sure. I know Derek, uh, in the uh, RCST Trivia episodes, has hinted at a Best of RCST football trivia. I don't know if it's happening this year. I don't know. Derek will have more info on that if it comes up. So I'm just saying, if it happens, be ready. If not, you know, we'll have to wait because it's possible, you know, he's, uh, you know, he was saying on uh, one of the earlier episodes, we might have one this year. We might have to wait another year. We'll have to see. Anyway, let's get this started, shall we? Conference realignment. So that was a big topic of conversation yesterday with the news that UCLA and USC are packing up and leaving in 2024, moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. So basically, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, what rumors may have surfaced, and basically what could be next. Um, So the board, the Big Ten board, has officially approved of the movement of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, and it will happen in 2024, so about two years from now. Rumors say it is possible that Washington and Oregon could bail too. Nothing stated yet. 
But there, there has been so much speculation on the Pac-12 and what they should do, and especially a lot of the Pac-12 teams uh, staying put. There are going to be quite a bit that are going to have to stay put if the Pac-12 even wants to have a conference because it's possible we could see a conference having a fallout. But right now, not quite that way yet. Um, and now the Pac-12 is also exploring some expansion options. And if you are, we're going to talk a little bit because, you know, there's there's been all this speculation over the past year of power conferences. Okay, not power conferences, but super conferences. You know, the SEC was one of them because they were announcing they're getting a bunch of teams, a plethora of teams. And now the Big Ten might be the other super conference. So it might turn into like a super two rather than a power five with some possible fallouts uh, with the conferences. But if the Pac-12 wants to be a power conference still, I say if you're able to get, uh, if you're able to explore expansion options, got to find a way to maybe get some SEC or Big Ten teams, but that's looking majorly unlikely. You know, we'll have to see moving forward. Basically, the question, what's next? We're starting to get into an era of conference realignment and turning it into two super conferences, like I just said. The Power Five, articles say it's turning into the Power Two. I honestly think the Super Two sounds like a lot better name. It sounds a lot more fun. With the Big Ten, with the SEC. We're hearing reports of teams in uh, in other Power Five conferences, especially the AC, the ACC and possibly the Big 12. Teams thinking about moving into either the Big 10 or the SEC. We're hearing a lot of rumors about that. And big names in college football on the ACC that are thinking about moving are Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. They have some decisions to make. Uh, so... That would be big. I mean, especially for Clemson, who's been a recent powerhouse in the ACC, definitely has not been a football powerhouse in recent years. Basketball, yeah, without a doubt. Football, not quite so much. And that's what brings uh, brings in the big bucks. So some teams are going to have some decisions to make. What does this also mean for independent teams, especially Notre Dame, the biggest independent team in college football, the biggest without a shadow of a doubt? You know, they already have the big-time media rights. They're the only college basketball team that brought, that has college football broadcasts on NBC. All the other college football broadcasts are on ESPN, Fox, CBS, and ABC, but that's owned by ESPN. Not quite owned by ESPN, but it is a, it is a branch. Um, but yeah, ABC slash ESPN, Fox, CBS. And then NBC, like I said, no, just Notre Dame. That's all that they have the media rights for. So do they need to move is the question because obviously this all boils down to money and it all boils down to media rights uh, because, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't have the best media rights. The Big Ten and the SEC do, and maybe the Big 12 as well, but it's more the Big Ten and the SEC uh, having the having the most uh, media rights without a shadow of a doubt, making the most money off of it. Now, what does this also mean for the rest of the Pac-12? Also, I, I, I know that I'm, ant I'm asking all these questions. A lot of them are kind of kind of rhetorical, kind of just curiosity, just because, well, there's, there are so many rumors, so much speculation, so many people saying this, this, and that, that we have not a freaking clue. Um, what's the best course of action? Heck, we don't even know that. What, what, I mean, honestly, what a lot of us just want 
to happen is just that everything stays put. Um, a lot of people believe that. I, I mean, I kind of want that, kind of don't. You know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but it, it's 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 not a reality. You know, teams are going to move around depending on where they think they would be the best fit and if they want to make more money. Well, everyone wants to make more money, but some teams really want that more than others. Some schools want that more than others, as we can clearly see. What, Like I said, what does this mean for the rest of the Pac-12? Well, we don't know if there's going to be a falling out. Uh, right now, there's not because it's going to be a while before USC and UCLA even leave. Um, but there has been a lot of speculation. Like I mentioned, Washington and Oregon may be thinking about packing up and moving. There's also been people saying two teams that should come to the Big 12. That's Arizona and Arizona State. That would be a fun rivalry. Heck, Arizona and Arizona State historically are pretty good. They're decent football programs, some some uh, years better, some years not. Pretty good basketball programs. You know, basketball is definitely the highlight of the Big 12, I guess. I, I don't think there's a shadow of a doubt about that. Because, yeah, not only just KU, but I hate to say it, K-State has a decent, you know, they have a good history. Oklahoma, Texas, some pretty good uh, history from there. And then you can just keep it on moving and keep on going to other Big 12 schools. West Virginia, they've had the logo. Jerry West, they played for West Virginia. So that's some pretty good history right there. So basically a lot of history, a lot of tradition to come around when it comes to basketball in the Big 12. And, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving to the SEC, you know, that's going to lose a little bit of that tradition. And then kind of raise it a bit with BYU, definitely with BYU. BYU is a pretty darn good basketball program, pretty good atmosphere as well. BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. Houston, who's had a pretty decent last few years. Same goes for Cincinnati. So basketball is still going to be one of the best in the country when it comes to the Big 12. Big 12 basketball is going to be one of the best in the country. With Oklahoma and Texas leaving, we don't know about the best because they've been pretty darn good over the past few years. So, yeah, it does bring the question, why not Arizona and Arizona State? They've had, heck, Arizona State has had KU's number for the past few years. I don't think there's a doubt about that, uh, a la Remy Martin showing out with Arizona State and then helping Kansas win a national title. So the speculation's there. And, I mean, it would also make the conference more confusing, the Big 12, having 14 teams if they do come. But what it ultimately does is help out the conference in one way or another, but it does create the fallout of the Pac-12 possibly. Sorry, Bill Walton. I don't think the Pac-12 is any is the conference of champions any longer. In fact, right now they're losing by a lot. Sorry. <laughs> um, so is this good for the sport? Is this good for college sports? In my opinion, no. No, it's not. Uh, but that's, you know, like I said, you know, I'm the, I, I know I have a platform and, you know, saying my opinion on, on, on a show like Rock Shock Sports Talk, but in some ways, it can, I know it can be good in some ways or one way or another. And I also say that, you know, with Kansas being the best basketball program there is out there and one of the founding teams of the Big 12, they were in the Big Six, Big Eight, Big 12. 
So with all the, like the history that they've had with those conferences, it feels like there's no need to leave, no need to move. So basically, that's kind of where I have that mindset. And I know that there are other teams that think differently, that have realigned with conferences here, there, and everywhere, either because they want to shift in direction or because of a falling out in the conference. And we don't, we didn't, we don't see that often with the current Big 12 teams, but you definitely see it here and there, especially with, the, with teams that moved from the Big East, because the Big East is the most recent conference to fall out. It still exists, but it's not even close to the level of talent that it had a decade and a half ago. So it's possible there are going to be more fallouts with the possible implement, uh, implementation of two super conferences with the Big Ten and the SEC. Don't be surprised if one day, maybe over the ten, next 10, 15, maybe 20 years, that the Big 12 starts falling out. Because there's already a lot of outcry that the Big 12 might be falling out soon when the news came out about a year ago of Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC. And it's, and you know, it does raise the question why they want to move to the SEC because they're, I mean, Texas for one, because it's always been a question of mine of why Texas wants to move to the SEC because there's always the notion of they want better competition or they want more money. Well, Texas, no matter what, is the school that makes the most money out of anybody in the country. You can check the stats. You can check all the figures. Texas will be ranked at number one. Oklahoma's not number one, but they're towards the top. They are towards the top. So bringing in more, I guess, more media rights and then possibly more competition, especially in football, even though Texas is still not back, and Oklahoma has failed to reach a college football playoff uh, playoff ever. Or even if they, I don't even know if they have at all. I'm trying to think of the top of my head. I don't know if they have. I think they have like only once, if any. Um, and then Texas, yeah, they haven't even been close. So that is, I mean, that is quite possible. Um, but you know, there are some there's some teams that want it more than others, and then there are some teams that just want to stay put and not have anything to do with you know wanting to leave a conference because like KU shifting to possibly the Big Ten would be huge news gigantic news or gosh what am I thinking like Indy or okay this is big tens I was gonna say like Indiana or Illinois probably two of the founding uh schools out of the big ten we've already and but I'm just saying don't be surprised if, if something like that happens in the near future it's just that um you know big time schools and other conferences you know they want more and that may tie a little bit into greed, but that's on. I honestly, okay. I was about to say this, that could honestly be another story, but, um, I mean, everyone wants more money. I think is just what it boils down to, uh, especially I wouldn't say smaller schools, but schools that are smaller in contrast to the sec schools that were, you know, like the founding sec schools, like Alabama, Mississippi state, Ole Miss, Stuff like that. Florida, for crying out loud. You know, those athletic programs are larger than some Big 12 programs. I'm not going to lie. KU being one of them. I mean, yeah. KU has everyone topped in basketball in my mind. Football, baseball, softball, soccer, women's basketball. No, they're not top. They're, they don't top anybody. 
In fact, all of them are far from it. So it probably does just raise the question about greed. Not just, okay. okay. I say, I keep using the word greed, but I, I firmly believe there is such thing as greed, like positive greed, which is that you want more money to make your athletics program better, like building more facilities and stuff like that. Um, but we're, we're at such a confusing time that, you know, like I, everybody's mindset is going to shift one way or another when it comes to new stuff coming out, new articles coming out, uh, and some points of view from this team, that team, this conference, that conference, everybody's mindset, uh, mindset is going to shift one way or another. Um, but we're at a very confusing time when it comes to college sports, um, we're just going to have to see what happens, quite honestly. That's that's all we can do like as sports media, as um, sports fans, even athletes. They literally, all they can do about it is just sit and watch what happens when it comes to conference realignment. Because it's not their decision to make. It's not our decision to make. We just have to sit back and watch. And then we can... You know, we can sort of adapt or react to what decisions may come our way. This is Lane Gillespie. We're going to have some best of RCST trivia for you on the other end of this break. The phenomenal four matchups coming up after this. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. Bend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Top of the 4 o'clock hour, this is Lane Gillespie, not Derek Johnson, as Derek is towards the final home stretch on his vacation to Germany. He'll be headed back home some point this weekend. He'll be back on the show on Tuesday. We won't have a show on Monday due to the 4th of July. So, since it's the top of the hour and it is a Friday, it is the closing of the stock market. There's a stock market bell for you. So, we'll give you what the stocks are up on, down on, neutral on in the realm of sports. So, let's go ahead and cue the music. All right, let's get started. Stocks up on tradition. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day, by the way. Vanilla, Bonilla, I have no idea how it's pronounced, but I'm going to say Bonilla because I think that's how I've heard it before. Yeah, stocks are up on tradition. So if you don't know what Bobby Bonilla Day is, here's the explanation. So Bobby Bonilla was a former MLB player, went to play with the New York Mets. In 2000, the Mets agreed to buy out the remaining $5.9 million in his contract, but instead of paying it at the time, New York decided to agreed to make annual pay- payments of nearly $1.2 million for 25 years starting in 2011, which included 8% interest, which was negotiated. So, since 2011 and since then, he has been paid $1.2 million and will be paid $1.2 million on July 1st every year until 2035 when he's 72 years old. 
So how does this compare to other salaries in the MLB? Well, there are recent stars like Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, and Ty France that don't even make $1 million. They make around 700 k on their salary. So Bobby Bonilla not even playing baseball anymore makes a lot more or still paid more than a lot of players that are currently playing. Except stocks are down. Let me play that for you one again. Stocks are down on match points. So in Wimbledon the other day, and I saw this live here in the K on the KLWN studio. Uh, Wimbledon player Alejandro Davidovich Fokina is in a was in a tiebreaker against Yuri Vesely. I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly. But um, towards the end of the tiebreaker, is there a tiebreaker in the fifth and final set? Uh, Vesely just got a point and made it nine to seven, which makes this next one match point to Vesely. If Vesely gets one more point, he wins the match. But frustrated for losing the point, making it nine to seven, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. I, I still don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he finds a tennis ball and wallops it, hits it hard off his racket, out of the stadium. Well, guess what? That's a point penalty. And that point was match point. Vesely wins the match. I don't know if that was basically he knew at that point he was going to lose or just a lack of situational awareness. So the stock's down, go to match points. Next up, stocks are up on downgrades. Memphis transfer, Imani Bates, transferring from the University of Memphis, or Memphis University, however it's gone. So before he went to Memphis, he was seen as this big star, this up-and-comer. The next LeBron James or Kevin Durant. Where is he transferring schools? Oh, he's got to be transferring to a big school, right? He's transferring to Eastern Michigan, a school who is barely having success in basketball. Their attendance lacks big time, and they're not a good program. Now, I believe he transferred to be closer to home, but, you know, a guy that was seen as an incredible star, incredible recruit, this next up-and-comer is now going to Eastern Michigan. Now, could he ball out in Eastern Michigan and make them uh, and lead them to an NCAA tournament appearance? Quite possible, but uh, it's just interesting. Okay, stocks are up. On women's sports. So the final game of the Women's College World Series. This stat came out earlier this week. The final game of the Women's College World Series had more TV viewers than any college baseball game this past season, including the final game of the Men's College World Series, which was the highest viewed college baseball game. The Women's College World Series final drew 1.74 million TV viewers. The Men's College World Series final game drew 1.54 million TV viewers. Now, part of it could be because, well, it was Oklahoma who, without a doubt, Derek and I have said it so many times on this show before, uh, you know, you look back to the best college athletics teams of all time, Oklahoma softball from this season is definitely one of those. That, and it was the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma versus Texas in the Women's College World Series. But uh, for women's sports pretty good to strive forward. Next up, stocks are down on delivery companies. So, news came out earlier this week. So, we heard about the Colorado Avalanche 
uh, this past Sunday won the Stanley Cup. So the Stanley Cup, I don't know if it's the Stanley Cup or if it's like a replica or something like that, gets delivered to the players. Um, but according to a news source in Denver, Colorado, a neighbor of the team captain, I don't know how to pronounce this, Gabriel Landeskog, something like that, his neighbors got the Stanley Cup in a delivery because there was a lot of, because there's similarity in their addresses and there's a large tree in their neighborhood that confused um, the keepers of the Stanley Cup in getting it delivered. The uh, neighbors graciously allow, or the, uh, yeah, the Stanley Cup keepers graciously allowed the neighbors to spend a few moments with the Stanley Cup, taking a uh, taking a photo of it in its case, touching the trophy before giving it to Landis Cogsocks. But how do you mess that up and give it to people who don't even play hockey? They're, ju- they're just the next door neighbor. Not quite next. I don't even know if it was next door neighbors, but it was neighbors. That's pretty funny. Next up. Stocks are up on homonyms. If you don't know what a homonym is, it are it is a group of words, two words that sound the same. Their phonetic sounding is the same. So there are two examples of this in the realm of sports over the past little over a week. So last Thursday, the Oklahoma City Thunder drafted two players, both named Jalen Williams, but spelled differently. First round pick they got is spelled J-A-L-E-N. Second round pick is J-A-Y-L-I-N, but pros pronounced Jalen Williams. Not related at all. Same name, spelled differently. Oklahoma City did post sort of a gag social media post of them pointing at each other like the Spider-Man meme. They were recreating the Spider-Man meme of them pointing at each other. Uh, so there's that's the first example. The second one actually involves KU. It's KU baseball. So a few years ago, 2018, and I actually know this guy personally because I graduated high school with him. Uh, 2018, Kansas baseball got a signee by the name of Jackson Cobb. He played for a season, but he had to redshirt because of injury. He ended up retiring from playing and ended up being the student coach for the past few years with KU Baseball. So it's Jackson Cobb. They just got a new recruit that uh, committed to KU the other day. What's his name? Jackson Cobb. Two different people. Same Name is spelled the same way. J-A-C-K-S-O-N-C-O-B-B. Two different people, names spelled the same. I'm not sure if they're related. I'm going to go with probably not. But it's just, what a what a coincidence. Both guys named Jackson Cobb, one for class of 2018, as in like high school class of 2018. The other, I think, class of either 22 or 23. But both named Jackson Cobb, spelled the same, different people. And when I first saw a Twitter post from the uh, new Jackson Cobb, that he was committing to KU, I was confused because the date said recently, I was like, Jackson, did you just finish playing? Weren't you a coach? And I noticed it was a different Jackson cop. So I, I had to have a laugh about it, and I made a post about it on uh, on social media. Last, certainly not least, this is hilarious because I had to change this. Earlier this week, I had stocks up on loyalty because Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook decided to exercise their player options to stay with their teams. Not anymore. Yesterday, with the news of Kevin Durant requesting for a trade, now more news came out about Kyrie Irving that now he's pushing to leave Brooklyn, likely to go to the Los Angeles Lakers. 
So there goes that. And I put now stocks down on loyalty. So yeah. It's not often you have to you have to change things in the span of a week when it comes to that. But it's a weird week. Weird week in sports. Weird day in sports. Especially yesterday. Still have some weird stuff going on today, mainly just with NBA free agency. So yeah. That's our sports stock market for the week. Stock market bell has officially rung. The market is closed. We'll have another sports stock market for you next Friday with Derek Johnson and I. This is Lane Gillespie. We'll have some more best of our CST trivia for you on the other end of this break. The third place game between Justin and Ryan coming up next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. End on it. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com. We have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. What's up? Derek back for another top 10 list. Hope it's going well for you guys back in studio. Once again, I am out in Germany, but left some, uh, I guess, summer presents before I left. And no, I'm not talking about uh, doing something in the bathroom. Um, Anyway. That was a terrible joke. That was that was a potty joke. Not okay. Uh, we actually have been, you know, all these videos have been tweeted out on our account at RCST1320 of all these top 10 lists for the different games of KU in the NCAA tournament. And for the North Carolina game, we actually released a video with the top 20 plays for KU in their national title win over North Carolina. We're going to give you the top 10 here on the radio, but if you want to check out the video version, we'll have the extended cut with the top 20, again, over on our Twitter page, at RCST1320. But with that said, let's get underway for our top 10 plays. Number 10. The first entry on the list is Remy Martin getting the block of Caleb Love. So um, this was after David McCormick had done the hook shot where he missed it, gets the rebound, puts it back up and in to give KU a 70-69 lead. North Carolina has it. Um at that point and it's Caleb Love who gets uh, a bit of a step on Remy Martin with a little under a minute to go takes it into the lane tries to finish with the left hand but Remy recovers just enough and gets uh, able to kind of swipe it out of bounds and, and block it out of bounds North Carolina ends up not scoring on that possession now it went out of bounds North Carolina did get another chance out of it but again because they didn't score after that KU was able to go down Dave hits the other hook shot now they're up three so that play was number 10. It was certainly a big play, and uh, a guy that was known for his offense, and he, boy, did he make a bunch of big offensive plays in the game, which we're going to get to here in a second, but making a huge play on the defensive end as well. Number nine. Ninth best play, Kansas down 50-47. to 47, A little over 10 minutes to go in the game. Um, KU has, has battled back at this point. Uh, they've gotten to a point where you know, they're right with it with North Carolina. I don't think they had had the lead since the first half, though, still. And Ochai drives it to the left, takes it on Puff Johnson, who had a great game for North Carolina. Takes some contact as he kind of gets wedgied 
to the side, like in between the lane. He somehow just flips it up right in the nick of time as he's getting pushed to the side, lays it up and in, count it with the foul, and does the fist pump. I think that was one of the um, free throws that Ochai hit. Had, had kind of a rough game at the free throw line, but he hits that one. It ends up being tied at 50. That was a uh, certainly a big play. Number eight. Eighth on the list, tied 57 all, little over seven minutes to go. A drive by Jalen Wilson to the right, kicks it to the corner. It's a pretty good contest, and Remy Martin in the corner, instead of just like shooting it straight on, he's kind of fading off to the side to get that little extra sliver of space to the side, but that makes it a little bit of a tougher angle for the three, and he still just splashes it. Nothing but net for Remy Martin. Huge three there, gave KU the 60-57. to 57. Number seven. Seventh on the list comes when KU was down 45-39, to 39, a little over 14 minutes to go in the game. Dewan Harris uh, didn't have a huge offensive outburst in the game, made some huge plays defensively, facilitating things that we're used to seeing Dewan Harris do. Uh, the shot that he makes, though, in, in this run of play is incredible. He's being guarded by R.J. Davis, kind of comes from the left side of the court, dribbles his way through the lane, through the right side, and he is, like, at the edge of the right side of the lane running that way. He's basically fading off that way, falling that way, and uh, attempts this kind of, like, scoop shot running layup, gets the roll, an impossible angle. We've seen him do that a lot, these impossible angle shots that he, he just somehow, like, geometrically finds a way to spin in to the hoop. That was a big-time make from Dewan Harris in the number seven play for KU in the national title win over North Carolina. Number six. Six for Kansas comes a few moments before that. KU down 45-35, a little under 16 minutes to go in the first half. Christian Brown grabs the rebound, throws it up to Jalen Wilson. He's got Ochak Baji running to his left. Doesn't want to throw it to him, though. It's kind of a two-on-two, almost a two-on-three, but the third North Carolina defender is behind Jalen. Jalen, though, opts to try to take it into Brady Manick. Tries a Euro step, runs into Brady Manick. Brady Manick had his heel or maybe his heels on the restricted area. Otherwise, that honestly might have been a charge, but because he was in the restricted area, Jalen Wilson able to bank it in, get the end one. That was, you know, Christian Brown has a great start to that second half. Uh, you have the David McCormick alley-oop uh, in that second half to, to get KU's first points of the second half. Like, those are all plays that you look at and say, okay, this is when I thought, like, we, we could – feel the tide turning we could feel the momentum coming our way but that was the play where it really felt like oh they're right back in this thing the big end won by Jalen Wilson he uh, had another one which we'll get to coming up later number five into the top five happened with a little under or over four minutes to go KU's up 63-61 Remy Martin beats uh, his defender off the dribble drives into the lane I mean, honestly, this could have been an and one. Armando Baycott gets uh, a really good contest, some contact with Remy Martin. Remy goes up with a left hand. It's just an impossible angle. The, the TV broadcast from the sideline makes it look hard enough. He falls to the ground, hits it off the window and in. It, there, there was a, a video from, I think it was Rock Chuck video with KU, where they show it from the behind the opposing basket. So kind of a frontward view of the basket view. And it makes it even more impossible. He's like to the outside of the lane. He just kind of flips it up somehow. Unbelievable touch over length. Remy Martin with a huge shot make. And again, probably could have been an and one, but wasn't. It put KU up 65-61 at the time with a little under four minutes to go. Number four. It's amazing how many great plays there were in this game. Uh, 65-65 tie game under three minutes to go. Let's go back to the Remy Martin well. 
Remy Martin, um, shot clock kind of winding down, has the ball at the right wing, under 10 seconds on the shot clock, and he gets a, a switch onto Armando Baycott. He kind of sizes him up, does this kind of almost like crossover, step back, sidestep three from the right wing, and just buries it. I, I mean, talk about a gigantic shot and the stones on that kid. That's what you went out to get him for. It doesn't always work out that way that when you go out and get a, a, a guy to fill a certain role in Remy Martin's case, elite shot making and, and tough shot making when the shot clock's winding down. Like Sometimes that can just be something that it happens over the course of the season, but it doesn't play out for you in the biggest moment of the season. In this case, it did. What a get it was for KU in the transfer portal, working through that whole story, and Remy made a gigantic impact on the game. Uh, I've said this before, like, I, I we, we've had the, the argument, the conversation, you know, should Dave McCormick, should he have been the the Final Four MOP? Should he have at least been co-Final Four MVP with, with Ochag Baji? If it was just a championship game MVP, so forget the Final Four game, because the Final Four game against Villanova, he only had like one make or something like that, so obviously wouldn't be in there for that. But if it was just based on the one game, the championship game, I think I would argue that Remy Martin should have won MVP with the amount of tough shots and tough hits that he made, even though Dave had the two big plays at the end there for KU. We also think about, again, that block from Remy Martin. Um, he certainly was fantastic in that championship game, and he has the number four plays. Weird that that's only number four. Again, there are just so many good plays. Number three. Third on the list, KU down 69-68. A little under a minute and a half to go. Dave McCormick. Left-handed hook shot, doesn't go, just off the back of the rim. Comes back to him, though, fortunately for Kansas. Tips it up to himself, grabs the rebound, resets. He's still now in the lane. He's got kind of Armando Baycott to one side, Brady Manick to the other. Takes a couple dribbles, takes a bit of a bump. Brady Manick's trying to kind of steal the ball with the double team with Armando Baycott. He somehow kind of shakes free of them, gets to the right side of the lane, goes up with a strong right-handed hook, and flushes it down. Gives KU back the lead with under a minute and a half to go. One of uh, two very big hook shots by David McCormick at the end of the game. Number two. Number two. This is my personal favorite sequence of watching KU basketball, probably of all time. Technically, it's more than one play, so maybe this is a little bit of a cheat. But in theory, I would almost put this number one just for how, how excitable it was, how hyped the moment was how big of a swing it was, it's just hard to put it above the one that's number one. But the number uh, two play, 10 and a half minutes to go, we're tied at 50. KU kicks it to the right corner. Remy Martin buries a three. So now they have their first lead since the first half. It's 53-50. And then all of a sudden, on top of it, North Carolina is trying to get it across half court. Dewan Harris, a pest, steals the ball, pokes it free, turns around the other way. Dewan gives it up, underhand pass to Jalen Wilson. Takes a bump from Armando Baycott. Still finishes. He gets knocked to the ground. Hits it for the and one. I, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it, thinking about that moment. I mean, that that's probably the, like I said, the, the most hyped up, phenomenal, like, you know, scream out, whatever moment you want to talk about to watch a game from that little 5-0. It was more than a 5-0 spurt because they had had the Ochag Baji and one before that and stuff like that. But that quick 5-0 spurt in the span of, like, 10, 15 seconds. Absolutely unbelievable. Chef's kiss. Number one. But the number one play, 
I, I feel like the number one play in a lot of these, maybe if all of these, you like honestly could have guessed, they just distinguish themselves. Like I said, I, I actually gave real thought to that last one just because of how big the sequence was. But it, it, it's hard not to go with... The David McCormick hook shot. KU's up 70-69. Um, under a minute to go. David McCormick sized up with Brady Manick after Armando Baycott gets come out of the game. Manick actually had a pretty good uh, contest on it, but Dave just perfect elevation. He hits the hook shot right down the pipe. Then he got the classic Dave fist pumps. That puts you up by three. You could argue that the other uh, hook shot should be higher on the list just because he had to go through more contact kind of over a double. Also, that's the one that gave them the lead at 70-69 as opposed to this one that we picked number one because it just extended the lead. So maybe there's more pressure with the other one. But also the other one, he missed the first one and had to get the rebound back. So does that, you know, make it move a little bit below? This one also allowed it so that, you know, North Carolina had to shoot a three to, to try to tie at the end of the game as opposed to um, shooting a two. And that certainly impacted things. Um, between them throwing the ball out of bounds, although you ended up giving it back to them. It makes them take a tougher shot at the end there with Caleb Love and everything. So uh, the David McCormick hook shots, as big as anything this season and this NCAA tournament for KU. That is our top 10 list. That's our final one for the six games of the NCAA tournament. We have some other top 10 lists that we'll get to here that, I don't know, maybe they'll play, maybe they won't. Either way, back to you guys in the studio, order commercial break, whatever you're doing. This is RCST. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas Collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they re look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK. That's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Shock Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. Welcome back to Rock Shock Sports Talk. This is Lane Gillespie, not Derek Johnson. Derek in the final home stretch of his Germany vacation. But now we get into a topic that was discovered or not discovered, discussed at length yesterday so we're going to give a bit of an update with that that being NBA free agency so free agency in the NBA officially started just a little over 24 hours ago and who boy have we already had a lot of big time high um headlines obviously the biggest one with uh from yesterday was Kevin Durant requesting a trade from the Brooklyn Nets haven't heard anything yet uh, about where he might go, but um, basically the whole situation that just goes down with Kevin Durant, you know, it's very interesting. Um, but we'll see where the uh, four-time scoring champion will go. To, uh, will go, And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in this segment. First of all, yesterday I already gave some news about, you know, the big deals for Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Nikola Jokic. So um, over the past 24 hours, um, here are some updates for you guys. Let's talk about some trades. We'll get to a couple of key trades, and then we'll get to the big blockbuster, if you haven't heard about the big blockbuster trade yet. 
First of all, Atlanta Hawks trade Kevin Herter to the Sacramento Kings. And in exchange, the Hawks will get Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, and a future first-rounder. Uh, Indiana Pacers trading Malcolm Brogdon to the Boston Celtics. Man, the rich get richer, don't they? Daniel uh, Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, and a 2023 first-round pick will go to Indiana. Brogdon's a good piece, especially in the guard spot uh, for the um, Boston Celtics. I'm sure they want to try to make another run uh, to the NBA Finals this upcoming season, so we'll see what goes on with that. Blockbuster trade time. Here it is. Uh, Ooh, you know what? I should actually, just in case you guys haven't heard it. Yeah, let me just play this one. The blockbuster trade. That's a drum roll for you. Is uh, Rudy Gobert is headed out of Utah and is going to be with the Minnesota Timberwolves. In return, the Utah Jazz get a plethora. Biggest player out of that plethora is Patrick Beverly, the guy who is known a lot for his fiery presence and trash talk on the floor and off. And... He could be a pretty good fit with Utah. They will also get um, Malik Beasley, Walker Kessler, a who is a, a rookie center, as well as Jared Vanderbilt and multiple first-round draft picks. All of that for a guy that averaged 15 and 14 a season ago, plus two blocks. And that's a big-time get, but at the same time, you know, with having Carl Anthony Towns as well, that's going to be a very interesting duo of big men in Minnesota. Let's go ahead and uh, skip ahead to free agent news from today. Um, John Wall signed a two-year $13.2 million deal with the Los Angeles Clippers. John Wall, the former first-round draft pick back in 2010, he's had his high moments, but recently has had his low moments. Uh, definitely regards of playing time. I think a lot of that does have to do with age, though, uh, with him now in his uh, low to mid-30s. But he gets a deal to the Clippers, trying to become a key piece for L.A., joining uh, Kawhi Leonard as part of the Clippers squad, and also Paul George. Uh, a man who helped the Warriors to a title is headed out. That's Gary Payton II, headed to the Portland Trailblazers on a three-year, $28 million, uh, $28 million deal. Honestly, given the impact that Gary Payton made, in my mind, I thought he could have been paid a little bit more. But uh, three years, $28 million, that's still not bad. And I also know Gary Payton also had to miss quite a bit of time, so it's probably too much of a risk um, to pay him more money just because of the injury that he suffered uh, in the conference semifinals against the Grizzlies. Trailblazers uh, will keep Yusuf Nurkic. He signs a four-year, $70 million deal. Nurkic has been kind of that number two guy with Portland now, uh, just, ahead, just behind um, Damian Lillard. And, you know, Portland, a team, they've been a team of stars, a team of playmakers who have not really had a shot at the NBA Finals, mainly just because I wouldn't say they're choking it away, but they 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 don't have the full team talent enough to make it that far. Uh, John Morant gets an extension. He wasn't a free agent, but he gets a contract extension, but it's a big one. Five years, 231, up to $231 million to Memphis. John Morant made that big of an impact and has honestly been one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA, just given where he's come from. It's not often you see a guy who got a lot of attention in the 
in college, even though he's at a small school, went to Murray State, and now he's making big strides in the NBA. Kevon Looney, another piece for the Warriors title team. He will stay with Golden State, three years, $25 million contract. And quite possibly we could hear the New Orleans Pelicans close in on a five-year rookie max contract extension for Zion Williamson. So that'll be interesting because, you know, there are the risks and rewards of having Zion Williamson. The biggest risk being his his uh, history of injuries. That's just the, That's just a big issue. But Guy's a playmaker through and through, and I know that could also, you know, be the huge reward. So high risk, high reward if they do close in with that rookie max contract extension for Zion Williamson, which basically means building off the rookie contract that he got after being drafted by New Orleans and then just building off of that. The probably biggest, okay, probably not the biggest free agency news, but it's at least really big um, because he was one of my players to watch for uh, in yesterday's segment talking about um, NBA free agency. That's Zach Levine. He already has a new deal and he is staying with the Chicago Bulls, but he agrees to a five-year, $215 million max contract with Chicago. He is the first Chicago Bull in history to sign a deal worth more than $100 million. And I know Bulls fans are pretty happy about that, pretty happy with keeping Zach Levine because of the big-time playmaker that he has been in recent years. Obviously, they're just hoping for a little bit more success because, yeah, I'm not going to lie, Chicago has not been that great or definitely not up to the level of conference finals, let alone NBA and let alone NBA finals. But, you know, anything can change in one year. Heck, Zach Levine could be, could have the year of his life, the five years of his life and be the next LeBron James or Kevin Durant or something like that, something weird like that. Um, still looking out for the other guy that I talked about, a guy to watch for that being James Harden. Haven't heard anything on the James Harden front quite yet. So obviously we'll keep an eye on that this weekend. Um, and also there was some big news because one of the biggest free agents to look out for was miles bridges. However, he honestly might be lucky to play in the NBA again. And if you haven't heard the news, you might be thinking, wait, what the heck is going on? Well, he was officially charged with a domestic, I think it was a first degree domestic abuse or something like that, but it was a domestic abuse case and he was officially charged with it. Uh, felony domestic violence. That's what that was. He was officially charged with felony domestic violence stranding uh, that came from a, an incident that he had uh, a week ago. So now... Um, he was expected to command big money in the free agent market. And if he, if he doesn't, okay, he was released on bond, but like if he doesn't, or if he does end up, uh, continuing to play in the NBA, there are a lot of teams that are going to look at that and either not want him or not want to pay a, a whole lot of money. So that's just the issue. Now let's head to the, uh, big questions. And obviously the two biggest questions come from the same team, that being, uh, two players on the same team, uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So where will Kevin Durant go? Well, we don't know this. He gave a wish list, the two biggest teams being Phoenix Suns and Miami Heat. But with all the trades going down before his, the issue is just that the trade market is going to get smaller and smaller as the days go on. And I'm sure a lot of that does kind of have to do with thinking about what the trade will be for Kevin Durant. Because I got to say, there are a lot of options. And like, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said yesterday 
there is no shortage of teams able to give up key assets to get Kevin Durant. I mean, a guy that was a two-time MVP, four-time scoring champion, and a guy that that won two NBA Finals with the Golden State Warriors and was a key part of that. So the the big question is going to be who's going to be the team that gets Kevin Durant because I honestly think if it's either if it's Phoenix I think they are the title favorites without a shadow of a doubt and you can kind of make the same argument with Miami maybe if they get you know a couple of more assets but at the same time how many key assets are those teams going to lose because let's say there's a trade of Chris Paul for Kevin Durant that's that's like a one-for-one one trade, and it, it just feels like nothing would change for Phoenix because you lose a, you lose a playmaker, you keep a playmaker, and uh, that sort of thing. But I honestly doubt Phoenix would trade uh, Chris Paul just given the fact that Chris Paul actually took Phoenix. He honestly led Phoenix to the NBA Finals, albeit they lost to Milwaukee a couple of seasons ago. But uh, the fact that he was able to lead them, I don't think he's going anywhere. And then earlier, or yesterday, we heard the uh, about the signing of Devin Booker. Uh, so it just may have to do with, you know, what the trade market would actually look like. And especially, because, I mean, Phoenix and Miami are obviously the two favorites. I think Phoenix is probably the favorite, but we'll have to see. The other one being Kyrie Irving. Well, he's a man that's been fitted with controversy for the past couple of years. So that kind of does not really help out his quote-unquote stock because, well, a lot of teams don't want to have to deal with that um, uh, controversy or deal deal with the track record that Kyrie has had. The top spot for Kyrie Irving to go is the Los Angeles Lakers. And, well, it's just the thing is, well, I don't know what the um, vaccine regulations are and what the difference is between New York and L.A. because I know they were pretty decent. They were pretty close. Is what I'm at. They're pretty similar, um, but I I know New York changed theirs. I don't know if LA changed theirs as well to where you have to be vaccinated when you're in a uh, crowded indoor uh, area. I don't know if that changed for Kyrie Irving as well, but we'll we'll have to see. And uh, Kyrie definitely getting some publicity because earlier today he tweeted out a GIF. I yes, I pronounce a GIF. That's with a hard G of a bird being let out of a cage. So, and, and it flying away. So, obviously some symbolism with that. What kind of symbolism it is, I'm not 100% sure. I, I think Kyrie is pushing to head to the Lakers, but right now nothing happening yet. It's quite possible a lot of that can happen this weekend, what the possibilities are of getting a big-time trade uh, for, uh, for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and where they may go. And Derek and I might talk about that a little bit uh, when he returns next week. This is Lane Gillespie. Going to have the RCST replay of a top 10 Derek and I did about a couple of weeks ago. Be sure to tune in for that. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.